been shown that if you give somebody an antibiotic, uh, you wipe out about 80% of their workforce within the gut in about two weeks. And when you do that, you increase their likelihood of developing major depression by about 24% in the next six to 12 months. If you give them two quarters of antibiotics in a year, you increase that to 54% likelihood of major depression in the next 24 months or 12 months. Anxiety disorders rank just before, below that, another 17% with uh, uh, people with uh, anxiety disorder after a single course, it's 44% after two courses of antibiotics. So if you add those together, 44% with anxiety and 54% with uh, a depression effect from two courses of antibiotics in a single year, that's 98% of the people now have a psychological disorder because they lost the workforce within their gut. And you say, well, that's crazy. There's no way antibiotics are causing that much depression and anxiety until you go to the school in the United States and watch a kindergarten class and watch the activity in that, and you realize, oh, my God, there is no more soil in these children. Attention deficit, hyperactivity disorders. A lot of people are trying to normalize that. That's normal. Kids are supposed to do that. They've always done that. When the attention deficit and the hyperactivity gets to the point where you can no longer sit and listen to yourself and therefore lose your own creative capacity and therefore become so disruptive to the classroom that they have to put you on speed, Adderall, so that you can sit down and focus. And when you put somebody on speed, you put them in a locked state of sympathetic overdrive so that they cannot turn on the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the guarantee that they cannot have a creative thought. The loss of soil degrades your intelligence and your capacity for creativity and listening. The creativity coming from the listening. The curiosity coming from the listening. So we realized we were going to have to start Farmer's Footprint in, in 2018 when we were shooting the film because we set out to tell everybody to start eating organic. And we started testing organic soils on the very first farm we landed on, Minnesota. And I had this huge film crew and I had way over leveraged my my for-profit companies to fund this whole film project. We were self-funding it, and so we knew we were going to be a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt almost immediately with the film crew cranking, and so there's all this pressure to get the story done, and the story was going to be, here's the glyphosate getting collected from 85% of the farm fields in uh, the United States all into a single river system called the Mississippi, and by the time you've concentrated 85% of the 300 million pounds that are poured into our soils every year as a single country, it ends up at the mouth of the Mississippi River, which is in the Gulf of Mexico, which is in Baton Rouge, uh, last 90 miles from Baton Rouge to New Orleans, and that's called Cancer Alley. Highest rates of cancer in the whole world. And so I knew that. I'd figured all that out just by happenstance. I knew the cancer rates were obvious, but I had found the Mississippi story and all that by totally mistake, putting PowerPoints together. Telling the, I'd been telling the micro story of glyphosate causing you know, all of the stuff we were finding in the laboratory. And so I was literally just putting PowerPoints together, and I wanted to show the macro comparison to public health statistics and where they occurred in the country. And through all of that, discover the whole story about the Mississippi and all that. And, and so we set out to tell this whole story. And very first farm, got to tell the glyphosate story, got to tell the glyphosate story. Everybody needs to eat organic. This is our thing. So we're starting to interview farmers and the film crews on task. We're doing it. And on day two, this guy uh, comes onto the farm, a consultant comes in. He's like, all right, we, we've got all your soils from all our area farms, conventional farms, organic farms. 
and we're going to show you the, the soil infrastructure and, and the loss of soil infrastructure and uh, the quality of your soil. And I was so excited, I was like, as a scientist, when you have a, an ability to measure something, you get to ask questions and you get to learn something. So this guy's going to actually show me, uh, uh, through a simple experiment, the quality of soil. And it was very visually, had these vertical tubes of water, and, you know, plexiglass tubes with water in it. And he would just suspend dirt clods from these different farms in the top couple inches of that water column. And the speed at which they completely turned into silt and disappeared was demonstrating the disease within the soil. If the soil just stayed clumped and didn't care if it was saturated with water completely, then that's healthy soil. So healthy soil is designed to be a sponge. It's a dead soil becomes silt. There's nothing to keep it together, and water actually becomes the, the, the force of erosion rather than, than the life-giving force that it is in healthy soil. And he does this study, and the worst soil by far was all the organic farms. And I'm like in panic now because it took me like six months to get my board to agree to put all this money into this film project and everything else. And I'm like, I have the wrong premise. Like, I don't know what we're supposed to do. And fortunately, the guy then moves to the next part of his presentation, which is the concept of regenerative agriculture, which I had never heard of before. And he starts explaining this whole situation and breaks out all of these different soil samples from two, two farms within the greater area, which he had driven a couple hundred miles to those farms but these soil samples from these two farms were unbelievable you could see it before he even put it in these columns but in the column it you could see life teeming within the soil it wasn't like a dirt clod it was you could see nematodes and little earthwormy things and like it was like life teeming there and it was like that's what we need to make a movie about that's the thing and so that's ultimately what we've been doing for the last few years is realizing you will never change the world if you go run around and tell farmers who have been put in a socioeconomic, economic and political environment where it's impossible for them to make a free decision about their behavior and say you must stop that, you're killing kids. Like the guilt of that, like the shame of that, they immediately have to put up so many defenses and walls and everything else so that they don't have to take that on. And they're like, screw you, you're not stopped. I'm about to lose my fifth-generation family farm, so screw you. Screw you for not being willing to garden. Screw you for demanding two-cent carrots. Screw you for wanting a dollar hamburger. Screw you. And so we were in this realization of, my God, this is not at all a story about soil even. This is a story about a broken relationship of humans to their planet. And so this is the long story of what is farmer's footprint and what it's here to do is we keep getting the premise wrong, so we keep asking the wrong questions. But we've been willing to do that, and we are a group of people that want to keep learning and connecting to as many people as possible to get different perspectives on the crisis that we're in, because it is simply the chronic fatigue condition that is going to be our path to our future. And so we are very eager to connect with everybody here, and we're here to listen, and we've listened all week to some amazing stories, incredible projects going on, uh, very inspired by what we just saw this afternoon. Terra Viva, um, for those who haven't heard yet, just got an incredible grant, and we're going to give a massive celebration of this in a second, because winning this grant, they just put Ibiza on the global map of the regenerative revolution. This little thing.
not only is this island suddenly on the map, this island just became an epicenter of the revolution because this grant is paying them to become the, the education and therefore the certifying body for regenerative farmers to be able to be certify their own knowledge base. All other certifications, organic, USDA, all this stuff, the new regenerative organic certification coming out of Patagonia and, and Rodale cooperation, is a certification on the farm, the soil. It says this soil has been treated this way, therefore it's this way. This intrepid group has done what the farmers have been asking for. Literally, I've ha had farmers ask for a certification that would certify their knowledge. Put me head to head with anybody in the marketplace and you tell the consumer who I am and what I carry into this thing and I will do that. I will completely change everything if you will make me visible. Mm. And so what is going to happen with this certification, I hope, is not that a new stamp gets put on the food to, to allow it to be sold at a few cents more. I hope the farmer is seen. And the consumer picks that thing up and like, oh my gosh, this, this farmer completely retrained it themselves to do something completely opposite of what they were told they, could, they had to do. And in their drive to nourish humanity back into its health, they did this other thing. I'm going to buy that thing because there's a farmer right there that I want to stand by. That happened in Ibiza. Where are you guys? Andrea. Andrea, Andrea and team, you guys are just, what the fuck, first of all, okay? Some people just get plugged into the wrong voltage in the womb. This is one of them. It's just so wonderful to meet people that are just so plugged into the energetic field and they have this drive that is inexplicable to do something that is beautiful. This group got plugged into the wrong voltage. You guys are so bright and you are here on purpose and you are here doing amazing things on a tiny little island and I fear that you might think that's not important. You're on a tiny little colonialized island that's been colonialized for 2,500 years. The concept of an indigenous people here is not even, it's not even a story anymore. We don't know who lived here 14,000 years ago and ultimately got demolished by the Phoenicians who came in here with their boats and took out the peoples. We don't know how far back the story of colonialism goes on this island. We don't know how much has been extracted from the hearts and minds of those that have lived here. But there is a revolution happening that those that are coming out of the heart of darkness, each of you carry wealth with you that has probably never been measured in the planet, let alone on this island in the last you know, couple hundred thousand years of human history. You are carrying so much wealth, which is a measure of energy. And that energy was extracted from the earth in abusive ways. And it was terrifyingly extracted from child and slave labor all over the world for generations and still goes on today. Our cell phones run so that we can have the convenience of a GPS so that I can find myself around the most confusing network of small little island roads I've ever been on. <laughs> and I need that GPS to get me to you. But to make the amount of cobalt in my cell phone probably killed two or three children in the last two years to mine that cobalt. 
children. Some of them just buried under rubble as a, as a landslide happened in the mine. And their parent, who is next to them, or their uncle, or their older brother, digs at that dirt wall desperately until their hands are bloody stumps trying to find the child that just got buried. Heartbroken, weeping, so that I can have a fucking cell phone. We come here with great wealth that is extracted from great lives. There is more death in me and the technologies that I hold around me than anything you would ever want to know. I am the angel of death. And I come here and I walk through the shadow of the valley of death with the heart of darkness and I call myself human because I've been willing to step away from God far enough so I can tell the universe how beautiful it is. And that's why I'm so desperate to learn how to communicate love better because it's the only reason I'm here and if I can't justify the heart of darkness and if I can't justify the journey of a child dying for cobalt so I can have a stupid machine in my hand if if I don't transmute that into love I cannot tolerate the story I cannot tolerate that level of horror that I continue to knowingly act in a technological world as a consumer I cannot handle that story and so I must strive to get better at telling people how much I love them. And it is terrifying to me, fucking terrifying, that the ones that I have tried to most love in my life seem to be the ones that I have most hurt in my life. And have broken, or have broken me. What the fuck is going on with love? What have we done to that thing that it becomes such a weapon that it becomes a trap, that it becomes a cage. It's because we're not actually expressing love. The thing that we think is love is, I don't think, love. <laughs> it is not an emotion. Huge revelation came to me just a few weeks ago. I'm blessed to work in this group of beings. We put together something a number of years ago called the Journey of Intrinsic Health. It's an eight-week journey with cohorts of people that come through and we have one-on-one -on -one coaches with um, a lot of them but we during COVID created group coaching where we do six or eight of them in these weekly meetings with a single coach and we found out that of course group works better than individual um, and so we have this incredible cohort that goes through and then they've become quite a big community that we run through a, a software system so we can all kind of communicate and co-create and think through and we have these awesome monthly meetings and it was in two months ago I was you know connected to these beings now that had gone through, all of us through the same process of total surrender of eight categories of biology, reconnecting ourselves in new relationship to those eight categories, water, food, breath, movement, and completely changing the way that we think about those things and our relationship to them. And so these are people that are now on a very interesting vibrational recreation of themselves. And so the stuff that comes out of these monthly meetings gets so exciting. And this one, I think, was just a freaking important revelation. This woman came to me at the end of the thing with a question and she said, I'm struggling because I'm told and I really feel deeply in my deepest being that I am here to let the feminine expression, the feminine modality of humanity come to its full force, come into its full expression, tell its full story. And yet I'm watching how damaging emotions are to physiology, to my, my clients that I have, to my family. How is it that I'm supposed to do all of this feeling of the, the human 
and yet the outcome of these emotions are so damaging. And I immediately was thinking about love. She was talking about some other emotions in the Matrix, but I was immediately thinking of love. My God, the emotion of love, it is such a dangerous weapon. It is such a dangerous, destructive thing. But it comes from a feeling that is different. And so in that moment, I could just see it so crystal clear, and it was so overwhelmingly obvious. I couldn't believe I hadn't seen it before. Humans are literally columns of water held in a state of liquid crystal inside of human cells. The, the water first a liquid, these trees do the same thing. The tree is a 60-foot tall column of water that is in a gel state. If you go and throw a hatchet in the side of that tree, the water does not pour out of it. If you come and smash a beer bottle across my face, no water pours out of me. The, because I am a liquid crystal. The water, once it gets into a living cell, becomes a liquid crystal in a gel state because so much electricity has been put into the water. There's so much light energy, which is the third dimension or fifth dimension of electricity. So electricity is related to the magnetism, the electromagnetic field, the scalar wave. All of that is a description of the structure of light in the vacuum space. And so the light within me animates the water from a liquid into a gel. And that gel, functioning as a liquid crystal, becomes a resonance chamber. Just like the, the liquid crystal that allows a radio to function. The solid state radios are all made from, from crystals that, that vibrate at different frequencies. You turn your FM dial to a specific station, it's got a crystal in there that's vibrating at a frequency that makes you allowed to just get what's at that frequency. Oh, that's your favorite radio station. Turn the dial slightly, a different crystal is elevated, you're getting a different station. So we are a liquid crystal, empowered with the capacity to feel. And what I could see suddenly is that the feelings are all right. They are all correct and they are our greatest power. The capacity to feel is everything. The damage came when the human mind in its desire to categorize everything and make everything different from one another, different things, came and invented the idea of emotions. Love is a full frequency phenomenon that holds heartbreak, grief, ex exaltation, ecstasy, darkness, all in one vibration. And we came along and said, no, it's just this one frequency of, ooh, I feel in love, I feel fluttery, I feel like I'm going to go down the roller coaster. That's love. So we labeled it, we created this thing, it became the focus of every song ever written. And so we what we did was we created a digital experience or a digital description of an analog reality. And this is why emotions are so damaging to humans is it's discounting the 99% of the feeling. And you keep wondering, why am I not loved? Because I should have this, this emotion, this buzz. I should have this thing. And why does my partner or spouse not create the buzz in me anymore? Why do I not feel the same buzz for my own children that I did when I first saw that face of a child? It's because you have been told that it's just this little tiny digital number. 
And this is what cracks me up so hard about my specialties. I feel like I've had so many specialties and the end result is after three years of being in that specialty, I just fucking crack up. Like, I can't believe we all agree that this is reality. This is ludicrous. No, I'm gonna have to go get another subspecialty. Uh, I've been told I'm a triple board certified doctor over and over again. People are like, my God, he must be so smart. He's like, no, that was not the journey. And no part was I intelligent. I just kept stumbling to the end of my specialty being like, this is idiocy, makes absolutely no sense. I'm gonna have to change directions again. So I just kept changing directions and then people mistook that for intelligence. And this happens all the time, I think, to us. Like Elon Musk, oh, he's so intelligent. Are you freaking crazy? He's an untreated autistic child who's been told he's intelligent, so he stops changing his behavior and just keeps doing the same thing. So now he's making lithium-ion batteries out of the jungles so that we can have electric cars that cost so much money and they suck more electrical energy out of our grid than we can even make out of coal-powered power plants that are poisoning the atmosphere. And we tell everybody that he's the solution for global warming. We are fucking insane. I can't remember why I was on that rant. Oh yeah, my, the specialties. Oh my God, this is the best of them. Oh my gosh, this is so funny. I, this isn't being recorded. Shoot, it's being recorded. Edit this part out. It's, it's not appropriate. For, it really isn't appropriate for the public to hear. This next part is just for you guys, okay? Oh my gosh, this is... So, I, I'm somebody who never smoked a cigarette, never got drunk, super clean, Boy Scout, Eagle Scout. I had to do that because I had two hippie parents. Like, how do you rebel against two hippie parents and become a Republican Eagle Scout? And they freak out. They think that it's like the end times and all this. And so people are like, oh my God, what a good kid. No, I was just trying to freak my parents out. <laughs> okay, so this story, oh my gosh. So I, I finally get to the point where I'm willing to do a, a mind-altering substance because at this point I'm in, in the sacred headwaters of the jungle with this shaman who's like 78 years old and about to die and, and no more shamans coming after him. So I'm like, if I'm ever going to do ceremony with an indigenous people, this is my moment. And so I decide to drink this 14-ounce glass of ayahuasca. And so I drink more ayahuasca than any human should ever consume. And <laughs> moments later, I... <laughs> I tell the, the, the moderator who's like telling us what's going to happen and everything else. I was the first of seven people in ceremony and then they're like, go, go out and sit somewhere nice and have some nice thoughts and all this. I go out and I take like 400 yards out into the jungle and I, I come into this clearing and suddenly I look around and like you're in one of the most complex nighttime scenes you've ever been in. You're in the middle of the jungle alone and this full moon is coming out at this moment and so the number of shadows created that moment just is beyond human comprehension and I could suddenly see the entire sacred geometry of all of it and so I immediately turned around went back to camp and said the shaman needs to do whatever ceremony they're going to do on me because in the next 30 seconds I am not going to be on this planet like I was that clear that I am fucking launching off here and don't fuck with me but do your thing shaman and like whatever needs to happen because it's not if, if a blessing needs to be had that's what they told me make sure you get the shaman blessing before your journey begins I'm like it's fucking beginning get this thing going on and so this shaman taking me seriously thank god rips my shirt off, literally like this tiny little shaman, I'll show you a picture of some point, like he's this big, rips my shirt off somehow, and he has this massive branch of like dead tea leaves and starts slashing my body, and he's lashed in the jungle, and I'm watching, and 
sacred geometry is getting so real around me that I'm like, holy shit, there's nothing left. I'm in fucking vacuum space, and, I, and for the next eight hours, I was gone into that vacuum space, and all I could see was the infinite grid. I had told everybody in the universe that nature has no straight lines. It's so beautiful, curves everywhere. Turns out the whole fucking universe is straight lines. I was freaking out. I'm like, oh, shit, totally wrong, completely wrong. Anyway, go on this massive journey. It was so awesome, and all these extraterrestrial languages, it was all complicated, it was very weird. Anyway, wake up, and this is so classic, Zach. I had only been given one instruction through the Ashwar tribe, was make sure you are fully clothed when you go into ceremony, because you're going to be laying in the middle of the jungle on a banana leaf on the ground for some number of hours, and this jungle will literally eat you alive if you have any naked skin. I snap back onto the planet, and I'm like, oh my god, that, that moon is way too bright, first of all. You need to turn it down, I cannot handle that much brightness. And I look around, and I am butt naked. I have stripped every last piece of clothing off me, and it's like strewn around me in this, like, arc. And I'm butt naked, and I just, I disobeyed the one rule that the shaman had told me to do, and I was just like, Zach, you, you really need to get over this thing of just like, just because there's a rule doesn't mean to be broken. This was probably a good rule. So that opened up my opportunity. I can't tell you everything else that happened because it gets socially inappropriate at some point, but this opened me up to one other possibility of doing a five plant medicine journey. And so they gave me five plant medicines at the same time some months later. This is not recommended to anybody, anytime. It's not by any doctor, any human being. It's a terrible idea. I go on this crazy-ass journey into nowhere, and I have conversations with every being that I'm in touch with all over the place. And the beauty of this journey is they record the whole thing. So they have all these recorders around you, like six or seven digital recorders, and and so they give you this thing at the end, like, for me, it turned out not to be an hour and a half long. It turned out to be like five and a half hours long. And I was five and a half hour conversation with no water, speaking as fast as I can, which is pretty fast, through the most beautiful conversations you've ever heard. And then suddenly, in the middle, of, this is the longest run up to any punchline you've ever heard. <laughs> suddenly break my consciousness and at this point I'm, I'm speaking to like six important beings in the universe like goddesses and the things and all this I suddenly break and you can imagine me listening back to my own my own recordings at this point I'm like oh my god this is gonna be so good you are an ancient being shown up in a biologic metamorphosis to express genius from a planet that is wanting the whole cosmos sorry, the soil cosmos, to go into a higher state of intelligence and connectedness. This is literally the mission we are now on, is we need to stop with the reductionist belief systems that nature is just one narrow band. If you stop believing that your feelings are emotions, you will become very powerful. You will allow yourself to feel the whole spectrum and give yourself permission to feel the whole spectrum every second. It will be very, very disruptive. And so I don't recommend it if you don't like change.
Because <laughs> it will change every fucking thing. And it will disappoint people as much as it will joy people. I disappoint people all the time because I show up in this radical state of wanting to show the full capacity of my heart. And when you shine that much light on another human being, they have a lot of reactions to that. Some of it's fear, some of it's excitement, some of it's all good. But a moment later, the universe puts another being in front of me and I take that whole heart and just, whoa, on them. And it really confuses strangers and it does strange things, but it also confuses that other person that that beam of light just moved away from. Because I haven't become good at communicating love, which would be the fucking frog in the pond that can ripple out in every direction. Thank you, Alex, for that visual. I need to be able to love in 360 degrees, which means I need to learn to feel so thoroughly that I don't rely on my eyes to tell me there's beauty, that I don't rely on my ears to hear the beautiful song. I need to become so quiet at the cellular level that I can hear everything and therefore transmit my reaction to it, which is that frequency of love that is a full bandwidth of information. <clears throat> Farmer's Footprint is an experiment of human beings trying to figure out how to be loved by the earth again and love her back appropriately. And it's a tough journey because we, we mess it up in the family as much as we mess it up out in the world, right? the very people that are in these organizations, we come into conflict, we come into disagreement, we come into disconnectedness, and we hurt, we have all kinds of feelings, and we label those, and then those emotions, those labeled feelings, become more of a problem, because we're all trying to do it together, in the context of a completely broken and dysfunctional psyche. So you have to have an incredible amount of tolerance for your absolute discomfort inside of you if you're going to work with humans. <laughs> and that's why we need so much nature around the humans to help be the glue to keep us together. Because we are not doing it well just on our own. It's not working. It just doesn't work. You can try to put two wonderful people together and if there's not enough nature around them they will destroy each other. And so we need to be highly connected in this next metamorphosis of humanity. And so we need to come very close to the nature around us and within us and very aware of it and listening deeply into it so that when you're looking into your lover's face, you trust the feelings you're having and release any expectation of the results of those feelings. All of the expectations that we have in life are based on the old structures, the old value systems, the old emotions that were just digital versions of the analog beauty. So the expectations just need to fly out the window. And that incredible course of miracles that got put together, I'm going to keep using this in almost every talk, it comes through again. The last thing I will do in this human body, last line of the entire tone, the last thing I will do in this human body is let go of judgment. Because the moment I do, I will have a new human body because I will no longer see the evil in darkness. I will no longer see the good in the light. I will understand the two of them to be the whole. I will no longer damn the masculine 
in the name of the feminine. I no longer will suppress the feminine in the fear of the, that power. <clears throat> I will be the light, the dark, the mass, and the feminine. I will be that whole thing. And it's going to be messy, and people are going to say all kinds of things about me and you, and they're going to think all kinds of things about it, and that is irrelevant to the journey, because that's their experience. We only have responsibility for this column of water. And this column of water wants to vibrate at a higher and higher frequency. Damn the consequences. Damn the consequences, people. Are we brave enough to blow the whole fucking thing apart at the last minute so that we can be the new thing? Yes. You guys have all done it. That's why you're here. You don't end up here if you hadn't blown the whole thing apart. But the trouble is, when we go and start our new life, we unpack the suitcase of the same damn tools and definitions and things. And so this is the journey we're on, is relearning everything. And the only place I've gotten lessons at this level is from the deepest nature. And that deepest nature is often inside a single human cell. And that's often in the most grandiose sunsets in Africa. And so I am here with you largely to be seen The reason my talks go so long is because I just love you so much, which means I can feel so much heartbreak for you. I'm sorry for the traumas that have happened to each of you. It fucking sucks. You guys are all really wonderful people, and really tough stuff have happened. A lot of you have lost kids to death. A lot of you have lost partners to death. A lot of you have wished you would die because of your partner. All kinds of horrible things have happened. And so much heartbreak is in it for you. And I have been in that, and I feel like that. I'm in it right now for reasons I don't, I don't even know what I'm heartbreaking over today. I don't know. But it's been eating at me all day long. That deep feeling of, damn, I am just leaking it all out because I can't hold that love thing together. I can't hold that heart thing together. And it's just beat up or something. I don't know what's going on today. Maybe I'm just on this island on the wrong 50 feet, and maybe I'll go move 50 feet and I'll feel differently again. <laughs> and so it doesn't need to be a reason for why I'm feeling, but for the first time in my life, I'm realizing it's really important that I just tell people I'm feeling. <clears throat> and then suddenly they're like, holy shit, I'm feeling all kinds of things too, and I have absolutely no idea why I'm feeling all of this stuff. And I keep making stories about why I feel like this that make sense to people, but it's not real. Yeah. It's not the, the stories are artifacts. They're, they're abstract efforts to justify all the feeling within these columns of water that are liquid crystals to receive all the information from nature. Which brings up, I wonder what the hell a caterpillar feels like in that cocoon. It probably isn't great. Like, I don't know what happens. Like, <laughs> Alyssa's mother showed me this amazing thing that I'll never forget. Best thing about homeschooling is you completely reschool yourself. Like, yeah. like they never taught me that in school. Like, what the hell? And do this little experiment with Alyssa and Ethan, my kids, and I don't know, they were super young, three and five years old probably. And uh, monarch season comes through Virginia, and we catch these monarchs, and we've got them on the right, right indigenous plant, and they're gonna make the cocoon. And monarch cocoons are so crazy; they're that weird green with literal gold gold stippling 
this gold leaf that the caterpillar somehow exudes from his body and makes this incredible sacred geometry of gold leaf on the surface of a green chrysalis. It's insane. But what Rachel showed me is that the head of the caterpillar has to drop off of the caterpillar before it makes the cocoon. They're like, that's fucking profound. The only thing that can't go into the mess is the head. Because if you put the head into the cocoon, you fuck up the butterfly. And so it's like in some ways, you know, this part of the world really perfected a form of punishment that I, before people could go to the afterlife, they cut off their heads. The guillotine. Brilliant. Probably based on the monarch science, I don't know. <laughs> it was like, dude, you have really screwed up. You have hurt people, you've damaged things. Whatever you're going to become, we don't want this part of you going with the Remove that. Boom. It, that thud that it must have sounded like. Can you imagine a human head about eight pounds dropping onto that wooden deck? Boom. We're talking literally about guillotines right now. You find this somehow reasonable. Good thing it's a donation-only talk. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm, I'm just glad they dropped the price. <laughs> this is really going weird places. You know? I was told to talk for 45 minutes. It may have been four days by now. But I'm not sure what time it is. And I also told my incredible team that I've got a brilliant idea tonight. I'm not going to talk. I'm only going to take questions and answers. And so I can only imagine that in that really weird meandering opening that I was supposed to be meditating in, I was listening so hard that you guys asked all of your questions to me non-verbally, and I've been sitting here trying to answer all of the questions you have in the universe. Where are we at in the evening? Did I just completely? I mean, can I take Q and A at this point, or have I so screwed it up that it's just hopeless? Everybody is welcome to leave any time. Please don't. Please leave like the last thirty minutes out of any reports you make to the outside world. Don't tell them the beginning was strong. I'll take some questions if you have any, but I'm also really interested to just hear your, your experience and what you're feeling right now, too, because questions are, are sometimes, again, copped in, in language that might, might shrink your, your real intent of what you're trying to express. So in any way that you need to express something to me right now, go for it. I mean, socially acceptable <laughs> in a hedonistic society. <laughs> I can't see back there. Just start talking or dancing, whatever you need to do. Oh, I see you now. Yeah. So you want some description of biohacking? What do you mean by this? Because there are some trends. I, I don't even want you to know about it. <laughs> it's so off the tracks. It's, it's just not helpful for you. Um, biohacking was the idea that we could live forever if we had enough information from computers. And so we started creating all kinds of devices that allowed us to see more information about our daily activities. And now people are highly addicted to these information streams, just as they are to their Instagram page. 
they're looking for an external validation of what what they feel inside ultimately and therefore they stop feeling and so they start looking at spreadsheets and deciding look i had 1.5 hours of REM sleep last night i'm such a good boy i'm really not dave asprey told me that if i did that i would live to 130 years old and now Dave's actually pretty sure 180. So 180 years old, if I, my Aura Ring, which is a computer that I wear on my finger, is measuring my REM sleep indirectly, pretty inaccurately, is, is telling me that I have 1.5 hours. So biohacking was a reductionist approach to being witness to the miracle of life in humans. Whatever you're doing is better than biohacking. So I would ignore the movement. It will be over and replaced by South Beach Diet, which will be resurrected from the 1980s. And it will be the new big thing. It will be rebranded as the Ibiza Diet. And it will go wild. And all that. But to be honest, I'm so glad that you haven't heard of biohacking. I'm really relieved about it because I thought I had taken over the world. But honestly, I'm, I'm really blessed that you are curious to know what that thing is. And it's helpful to know that in the West, what we are doing is we continue to kick the old paradigm off the stool and get up and then exercise the same human behavior on that stool. Different toolbox, different belief systems, different resources, different worldview, same human belief system that we can control nature. Mm. Biohacking is a belief that you can control the nature within you. Mm. You are a wild creature. You are a wild beast come to mess up this cosmos of the soil. <laughs> you are here to really alter the way that this universe works because you are wild. And there is no amount of information or technology that should ever try to control human behavior, the cellular level at the macro level. We need to get wild again. That's why all of you are here and you party and do your things. Somebody told me the other day a great line. It's 10.30 p.m. in the afternoon. <laughs> that was, that was great. Another question. Zach, I really appreciate your um, emphasis on feeling. Yeah. And uh, it just it reminds me of a Sufi poem by a gentleman called Atta from think the 1200s and he talks about love the expression of love and the appreciation of love as three butterflies <coughs> three different types of butterflies and I wanted to share the poem with you why you come so you can represent it if you need to but the short of it is, is we're about to hear a poem that describes love as three butterflies and uh, this is reassuring, thank you. <laughs> so it's actually in Persian, and I hope you don't mind, I'll sing it to you. Nasty cat, go 
من یافتم منایش دومی دومی نزدیک شل بازن گفتم من سوختم در سوزش سومین خود داخل آتشیف کردن chefs on this island how to create fifth dimensional food and I believe that it's this kind of database of information that will replace the biohacking movement when we find out that the food was designed to bring humans into fellowship such that we would ignite one another in seeing each other's beauty over that meal so that we can become the new humanity, which is the heart of God, which is the heart of the universe, which is the heart that will transform the darkness into the light and shift the way in which this universe is literally vibrating. The frequency of the whole universe is ready to up-level, and I believe that everything I've learned in the soil and the food systems through the farmer's footprint journey is showing us that this concept that food can move us into the fifth dimension, can move us beyond the fifth dimension, is very real. Is very real. So, uh, do here, she is. here she is. Here we have our fifth dimensional. Yeah. I mean, when you just hear somebody say, "What do you do?" and they're like, "Well, I teach chefs how to cook in the fifth dimension." And it's like, "Okay, where do you cook? <laughs> what restaurant do you serve?" I'm like, no, no, I just I'm teaching, not cooking for you. Mm-hmm. All right, tell us how it's done. Thank you. Wow. So tonight I saw so many people that I love and in the dimension, in the, in the way that you were explaining love. So my name is Erika and I'm an alchemist here on the island. I'm blessed and lucky to live on this island and the people that I saw tonight are one of the dearest to me because we create connection together. So we resonate, we vibrate and we create the reality that we live. So we are very lucky. And this kind of connection is what I do in the food. I actually take what already the planet give us, and it's quite alive, so we have really put all our strength <laughs> to fight the life in the last 100, 200 years, a little bit more probably. <laughs> <laughs> but what uh, I do is uh, recognize this light that is present, actually in the shadow, as you were saying, especially in the fermentation, when everything becomes rotten, then you start to see the arco iris, the rainbow on top. Mm-hmm. That means that the transformation is happening. 
it's actually very visible and more our frequency is uh, raising more visible become so we literally see every day it is happening actually in my kitchen you see it uh, <laughs> in every corner my partner uh, there sometimes say is this okay is this moving and is yes yes yes, yes. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's just happening um, so five dimensional uh, food what does it mean um, is a food that work with the intelligence of the planet. The intelligence of the planet is evolving, opening up and moving as we are doing. And as we are here all together as a cell of the same system, and we saw dear cell, are so dear, some cell that are here and some other are new, so welcome to the new one. Someone passed by, our first one. But the dear one that are here with me, we are creating and connecting and we are moving like one. Sometimes we even don't have to speak. I think of someone, then I meet uh, people that live in Ibiza knows that this is the communication that we use. Oh, I thought of you and now you are her. Oh, can you be tomorrow? We have an event. Yes, I'm here. And this is how this happened. I'm here with the food and speaking now and meeting a new self. Pass and maybe we'll stay a little bit more. Let's see. Um, and this is how we are working. This is uh, the new humanity and this is who we are. And uh, as uh, Zako was saying about Terra Viva, Terra uh, Iris, all this Terra, Terra, the, our planet, our intelligence, actually, what we are looking is this intelligence, this planet that is teaching us. What, everything that I do, I copy. Like, people say, you're a genius. We are all, I'm just copying what the planet does, and I use the intelligence, so the rule of the elements, the rule of how this planet uh, evolve how this planet express and I just copy and paste so that's, that's what I do that's why five-dimensional because the planet is going to that direction <laughs> so I'm just smart being let the nature do and many times I say oh, so you're a chef man actually the hand because the chef is mother nature literally I as I'm doing right now I didn't wrote anything I don't know what I'm doing and many times when people say can you come and cook for 100 people what you will do I don't know babe <laughs> And I do not till the last moment there is Sarita, one of my sweet helper and hand uh, there that is uh, serving someone, so it's not listening. Um, she becomes shy when I say her name, so better if she doesn't, is a shy cell of the system, but uh, very strong. She's, she can serve to other people without blink. Um, sometimes at the beginning, she was so in fear going into service with me, like, how can you don't know? We have 100 people sit. How you don't know what we are going to serve? I, say, I don't know. I just bring the ingredient, the best that Mother Nature serve me, and then we will go to tune in what is happening, and we will serve that for the highest benefit of all. That's the game in town, guys. Mm -hmm. I don't have any plan. I don't have anything that I think. I just I let fail, and I let this to be guided. I don't want. Because every time that we try to plan, and doesn't mean don't have a vision, because this is another thing. But every time that I feel that that's the direction, that is the way I let speak through, so I put myself the head that place, and I let the spirit speak through as I'm doing this moment. If not, if it will be the little Erica will be so shy and a little bit afraid to be in front of all of you after a giant like you speak so <laughs> and so well. And the language is actually yours. You can hear that I'm Italian. 
if you do it as a practice, you can start again to be. You are again in reconnection. You can see the magic of the planet. You can see the magic of the law of this planet happening in front of you. So it's such a waste to don't use it in this way. Of course, you can say it about everything. But for me, Italian with the passion of the taste and the memory, because at the end, the taste is just a poetry of memory. You can just can literally travel out of space and time through the taste, as you can do with the other sense, with the music, uh, with the painting. And here I'm surrounded of so many artists, as artists of the land, artists of the vibration, artists of the breathwork. So all different, because we are all one. That's the beauty of what, as you can say, we keep on saying the same things. It looks like we say thousands of things, but we always say one thing. And this is the beauty of the unity. So we keep on going circle, this beautiful shape without shape, to remember that we are all one. And I'm so grateful to be here tonight with all of you, beautiful soul, and to walk this dream that is my life right now. And make your life also the dream that I'm living. This is my the wish for all of you. Join me on this beautiful side of life that is happening right now. This place is spectacular, and I just honor this family this, of peoples that have come together uh, to create this thing. And uh, it is brutally difficult to uh, remind humanity of, of how we come out of the earth and what comes out of the earth, and to listen long enough to let that come out of the earth. It is a lot of work, and it is uh, tiresome and exhausting and oftentimes frustrating and sometimes hopeless in learning that nature provides. And it is a difficult journey, and you guys are doing it, and we can feel it here. We honor the journey, we honor the efforts that have been tireless to get you to this point. You've survived the hardest point, I guarantee you. Because the next things that come, there will be more people to understand what you're doing. And you'll feel more seen and understood in what you're doing here on this property. And so I just honor you guys for holding a cathedral for us to, to hold this space together this week and, and become something different. Uh, the relief that I have about any time that I, I, I have the opportunity to speak with people is the, the understanding that I have absolutely nothing to give to you, but I have something to show you. And I hope that something in tonight reminds you of who you are at a deeper level because you're far more beautiful than you came in here thinking you are, and you're far more beautiful than you leave here thinking of, but you are uncovering, you're pulling back those onion layers of just how spectacular you are, and what a gift you are to this moment we are in. And it is truly that crystals of man, we get tired of hearing the metaphor, but we are prophecies from every ilk, Mayan calendars, everything is telling us that this is the end of humanity as it has existed. And we have so much 
information and technology held within ourselves that is ready for the reordering of everything. And so you are called into a state of birthing that has never been expected of any other human. You are now expected to rebirth a species. And this is, I believe, why we are starting to realize that we got to stop calling them men and women. We need to start calling them human because they are the masculine and feminine come to actually fertilize their own DNA now into the new being. The sexual act needs to take place within an individual now such that they can rebirth themselves so thoroughly that they express a new genome that erases the 400 generations of trauma currently recorded in every one of your epigenetic patterns. Erase that and rebirth something completely new. It's going to take a radical amount of light within the womb of each of us to rebirth ourselves at that level. And so we're going to need to practice getting more light energy into the human. And so for all of the divisive, derisive comments about biohacking, they have popularized, interestingly, some of the most simple human behaviors that increase the amount of light that we can connect with or produce. And that's breath work, breathing. That is being in cold elements and hot elements of nature. Being out and plunging into the cold ocean of Marnie is now understood, as it was by our great-grandmothers, to be a health modality. It was done by all peoples over time because it increased the amount of light within the individual. None of our great-grandmothers used red LED beds, but they all jumped into the cold ocean. They all laid out in the sunshine. They all connected to nature in these analog ways that allowed nature to speak the entire vibration into their liquid crystals, and for this they became profoundly wise, and they wrote, poems in Persian language that would, could only be sung, not spoken. That's what we come from. We come from a deep intelligence because we were more connected than we are today. And so it's daunting that we are called in to be here on the planet right now to do the greatest metamorphic event and birth the most profound thing that we've ever birthed at our dimmest moment. What an irony. We created a technological environment that would unplug us so thoroughly from nature and then God would say, now do it. Yeah. That's the challenge. It's because the head has to fall off for the thing to work. We're putting the biology out on our species so that we can shine through and the right stuff gets taken forward now. We need to crush the genome of humanity so that we can step forward. such a beautiful statement. Everybody hear that? Mm -hmm. She says, we cannot erase it. So thank you for that, because I need to clarify what I was just speaking about. We need to erase the genetic code of the 400 generations of trauma. <clears throat> but we do not need to disconnect from our ancestors. And so what we were working on recently in Bali was this, you know, 
process of the potential of humans to turn two-stranded DNA into 12-stranded DNA, which may have been our original design and, and it certainly seems part of this future design of humanity. So we're working on that as a group of people of putting in the right energetics and visualizations and mudras and we were doing all this work over a couple of days together, 35 people in this, this immersive retreat and we were, were literally experimenting with ourselves to see what it can feel like to try to move our genome into a more complicated liquid crystal. And in that journey, at Chuck today, who's a friend of the gentleman who just, what was your name again? Servin. Servin. Servin's good friend, Chuck Degay uh, out of uh, Indonesia and Bali. He and I were working kind of tandem on east-west perspectives on, on every element that came up. And something that beautiful came through in the second or third day where we realized that the, this next moment that we are in, the job is now no longer to listen through the traumas that is recorded in the genome to our ancestors and understand our ancestors only through the patterns of trauma, but instead cut that lineage, cut the genome, and then energetically invite the entire pantheon of your ancestors into the right now. Because this is why it hasn't been working. We can't work with our ancestors because we've only been told we work with them through this avenue and they're in the past and we're here. And so we have to remember our ancestors. We have to remember our indigenous roots. We have to remember our indigenous self. And so we're trying to reach back in time, not realizing that there is no such thing as time. It's all here right now. And so we shall not erase a thing. Instead, we will bring it into our present moment. So we bring all of our ancestors into this cathedral tonight would be an interesting experiment. But it's getting late. And so it's something for you to think about. And I'm so grateful that you, we end at this point because we will erase nothing because the universe remembers everything. And that's the first thing I saw when I was in that deep fall into vacuum space on, on ayahuasca. When I was falling through the grid infinitely, I suddenly saw written in three dimensions in like block letters all through the whole fabric of the universe was remember everything, remember everything, remember everything, remember everything, remember everything. It was written like that all over the fabric of the universe. And that was the message I apparently needed to see first in my journey into the cosmos before I was allowed to see anything else. Because I had carried such a deep burden on myself that I thought I had to remember everything. And so in my journey towards doctoring and everything else I'd ever done in my life, I thought I needed to know everything. And so I was clinging to all of the information, trying to cram it in, trying to remember everything, all the details, all the facts, try to get it right, try to be the rightest one in the room, try to debate better than anybody else. I was holding on so much that I had lost my intelligence. I had become rigid and unmoving and unflowing and I wasn't part of nature. And when I saw that, whole universe is designed specifically to, if anything, remember everything. It is remembering everything for you, so stop burdening your human mind with your clinging to the information. Totally release it and let new information flow through and let it all enrich and trust that you are completely connected to the entire information field through what we call consciousness. Consciousness is not a thing. This whole rise of human consciousness, it does, I don't even works that way. There's no rising consciousness. Consciousness is literally just the transmission between the knowingness of all things of the universe and your little brain. 
consciousness is the access point to the, everything that is remembered by the fabric of the universe. There's no erasing any of it, but we need to change our relationship to that information. And so when I say we're going to erase it, the only place we really need to erase it, erase it is in the biologic expression of the trauma through our genetic tree. If you've ever had a child, you believe that that child is from you, and it's a very amazing, miraculous thing. If you ever have a second child, you realize no, none of your children came from you. <laughs> it is so embarrassing to have a second child. You're like, oh my God, I have nothing to do with this situation. That is a completely different being than that other thing that came out. And I can suddenly realize that it's not me that's programming these things, and they are not me, they are them. And they chose this moment to come through, and I am being called to be their student. That's it. And so that journey into that, now how does that look to me? If I'm going to rebirth myself, am I going to finally student, sit at the feet of my higher self, and be willing to listen and trust that I am on the perfect path? and everything has been remembered in the right ways and I can rebuild my relationship to all that information and ask for support for all my ancestors through all space and time, through all cosmos, all soil systems, all the rest, to come and be witness to me as I'm willing to become so lonely to the memory of my past and to start to live the presence of everybody who's ever been here. And so that's the journey. It is absolutely so beautiful you said that. Thank you for that statement, it is so true and so profound, and you are so beautiful, and I'm so grateful for you. I am really in awe. I, I doubt you are following me. Honestly, I doubt you are following me. I am pretty sure you are leading me into the future. And so keep leading, and I will happily follow you, a matriarch among us, an angel among us. Thank you for being present and bringing this group to this beautiful conclusion. We're here to connect, we're here to listen, we're here to be part of your family. We will be back again and again. Jess Abbas, uh, I don't know if you want to stand up, Jess, so they can just see your face. You have to stand in front of the red LED lights here. <laughs> um, but Jess Abbas uh, is on this island a lot. Her stepdad lives here for 25 years. He's one of your uh, longtime uh, colleagues and, and fellowship friends here, uh, Michael. And so Jess is here often. And she's the reason uh, that Farmers Footprint has come here, is because she knows many of you and many of the projects here, and she kept telling me, oh, this is super important. And I was like, no, I was not telling you the continent of Africa is important, like this little spit of island and the little thing that they just party all night long and listen to reasonable DJs, what the heck is going on? Like, can't be the mission of Farmers And then I come here and find out it's the fucking epicenter of the regenerative movement, and this place is freaking amazing. And then you guys are going to change the universe, and I'm just honored to be witness to people who will do that and who are going to be that new humanity. I, I'm really excited to party with you when the music gets better. <laughs> it's going to get really, really good when we start to be unable to speak to each other, can only sing poems to each other. And so thank you uh, for everything that you guys have been tonight and participating in this, speaking through me, bringing whatever came through tonight to fruition. It's been a group effort, um, even if it didn't feel like it at all moments. And I guarantee the soil is fine. I guarantee the, the that you are connected to the hearts of these trees now because they have been willing to see you and you were willing to be seen for a moment. So do walk away with the memory that if you do anything, please be seen by nature as often as you are willing and eager to see her. She wants to be in relationship with you because you are loved. 
that you are her child and she misses you very much. And it's uh, her heartbreak that I'm feeling, I found out just the second, that's what I've been feeling today is the heartbreak of a mother who misses her child who's walking around on the surface of her, literally walking around the surface of her breast, unwilling to take a drink, unwilling to be nourished because we don't think we deserve it because all we remember is the trauma of the past and we keep expressing it, flipping the coin, perpetrator, victim, perpetrator, victim, perpetrator, victim, and nobody told you there's a third dimension of that coin and it's called creator. So stop with the victim and the perpetrator and become the creator that you are right now. Forget the past to be the present that the whole past was trying to be. We are here all together and we want to stay in touch with you. So please reach out to Jess. Please reach out to Farmer's Footprint because it's at a vulnerable moment right now where it's getting big enough that it's starting to attract attention from the heart of darkness and it is needing more light and it needs light in many different forms. So if you are inspired to connect to it financially or through volunteerism or through prayer or meditation, whatever way you can connect to this entity, it is a, a child that is ready to run and it is, it is just a beautiful thing that is... <coughs> happening because it's realizing it doesn't need to do any of the regenerative movement. All it needs to do is be the connective tissue between all the cells that are finally working. And so if we can do anything today is to remind Terra Viva that there is a kidney working over here that is very beautiful in, in Terra Ines. And there's an extraordinarily beautiful, uh, you know, thyrus, thyroid working over there that we might call Juntos. The body is here and all the organs are working and we just need to connect it all. So Farmer's Footprint is rushing around the world telling the stories of the beauty that is emerging from the, our relationship to our Mother Earth and the way she feeds us. And that's what we're here to, to bring you into some sort of relationship with that. You wouldn't have come here if you weren't already part of that. And we're just asking you to, to double down somehow in your life to be loved and be seen by this nature more. We're about to go eat some, some bites of food, I think, and I would like to say that um, our, our nearby island, this is the closest I've been, I, I'm gonna go to Greece in a couple of weeks, I'm gonna be even closer, but uh, two of the most profound beings I've ever met were from Ikaria, Greece, which is a little tiny Grecian island, and it's one of the blue zones of the planet where everybody tends to live well beyond 90 and 100 years of age, and they don't have any red LED lights on the entire island, which is really mysterious to Dave Asper and the rest of the biohacking community. But this weird blue zone with no red light is uh, living very long. And they came over, this couple was flown to, to prepare a meal for 17 of us that were speaking at this little event. And they spent five days foraging in northern Virginia, which is not a good place to find homegrown food. But they foraged for five days in the backyard gardens and the rest, and even in like streetscapes and stuff, to find the ingredients that they thought was a reasonable meal. Because they had gone to our grocery stores and they were appalled by what they saw. The woman, when she described our onions, she's like, they are so big, they must taste horrible. You would never eat an onion that big. You need to eat small onions. And she had found small baby onions and she had baked them individually on a pan whole with a drizzle of the olive oil that her family's been making for 500 years on her farm in Icaria, Greece, and then a tiny bit of sea salt that she had brought from Icaria that they dry just as you do here on this island. 
the moment we put that onion in our mouths, we wept. Everybody cried because they had never tasted an onion before. And when you suddenly taste food that you've never experienced before, you realize how irreverent you have been to every other bite of food you've ever had. Every other time you've eaten an onion, you were irreverent to the life within it, to the knowledge within it, the beauty within it, and you had dumbed it down to a digital experience with what you called onion. And so this is a sad moment for us, and we go through this whole meal, and every course made us cry, and I got up at the end, and I did a Zach Bush toast that took about two and a half hours, and I was toasting everybody, and I was talking about the microbiome, and how they, you must live so long because you're feeding your microbiome all this stuff, and it was, it was beautiful. It was like, I was weeping for my own toast. It was so good. And the gentleman stands up, and he says, you are completely wrong, doctor. And nobody has ever told me I was completely wrong. Everybody's told me I was some wrong, but completely wrong was pretty radical. Um, and I was like, I just brought to bear like 30 years of my life and that single blessing on your food, and you're telling me I'm completely wrong. And so I'm sitting there actually pretty excited because whatever he's about to say next is going to completely change my whole belief system about everything I've ever thought about food and microbiome and everything else, and I was exactly right. The next thing he said is we don't ever live long in a career for the food that we eat. The food that we create in the Korea is designed to bring people together, and every night that we make a meal, we always set an empty chair at the table, hoping somebody we've never met comes and eats dinner with us. The reason we live long in the Korea is because we never ask each other what we eat, what you eat last night, but we always ask, who did you eat with last night? And I realized I had the whole fucking thing ass backwards again. And it doesn't matter if it's vegan or paleo or meat or not meat. It doesn't matter any of that. It matters did you come into fellowship around that bite of food. Because if you didn't, you didn't experience the fifth dimension of love. That the food intended to create for you. And so tonight when you take these bites of food, please know who you're next to. The, the food will blow your mind, I'm sure. But please do meet somebody you've never met before because this island is ignited with a whole pantheon of angels, goddesses, gods. It is unbelievable who I've met this week. You guys are a powerful community. And there's an opportunity to connect more, more at the heart. Maybe don't even talk, because a lot of you just know each other too well, and you're likely to say something similar that will just make people think that they know you. They do not know you, people. Nobody knows you. And so show more of yourself tonight, and just give a hug, or just even just right now, start to think about the frog in the pond again as Alex gets up and closes us with one more piece of music. Think about how you become 360. How do you start to feel so much that whatever reacts to that feeling is transmitting it through a 360 and you become a sphere of information, a sphere of transmission of what it feels like to be alive right now in all of its complexity, in all of its various forms, feel it all and transmit that out to the universe. This is what it feels like to be alive. This is what it feels like. It feels like utter heartbreak. It feels like sheer ecstasy. Send all of the information out to the universe because it's why you are here. It's why you moved from being a star to being a human was so that you could feel what it felt like to be alive. And that is it. Have no judgment on the feeling. You were just called to feel it and then transmit the information. Get it out. And so let's do that tonight together in a high way 
and we will become a very bright beacon for the universe to shift its relationship to all of us. And so I'm honored to be with you. I hope we continue the conversation into many different forms in the, in the future together. So thank you for the space you've allowed me to hold in your life. Many of you have been in conversation with me for years, and it's been too much of a one-way conversation. So just know that I would like to lay down in my bed tonight and get, no, this is totally appropriate. I would like to lay down in my bed tonight and just listen to all of you more effectively. I'm sorry for the amount of words I've spoken in the past without listening between those words to you more carefully. Because the wisdom in this room is beyond anybody's imagination. And so maybe start turning off the podcast. Please, if you would do one thing for me is never listen to one of my podcasts again. <laughs> because you've heard way more than you need to. Tonight, if you, it's not obvious you've heard any last useful things out of me, please just trust you have. Because I have now shifted into a nonverbal communication with you tonight. And I am going to let you feel what I'm feeling more clearly because I'm going to start transmitting that out. And I'm going to feel what you're feeling better because you're going to start transmitting that out. And instead of listening to another's podcast, please start to listen to other people in your community more closely. Because the, the resonance that can happen on this island, because there's only 150,000 of you that actually stay here. The other four million just going to transit through here, which is a powerful thing. Because imagine the human information you guys receive as a single island. Isn't that why this is an intelligent place? You guys are like the fucking appendix of the colon of humanity here. All of the shit passes through this island. <laughs> you guys are like the maximum, most effective fermentation machine ever. And so you're making all, distilling all that down to the wisest thing. So it starts to listen more carefully to each other. I know you guys love each other. I know this is one of the warmest, most connected communities I've ever met. So it sounds like I'm telling you to do something you're already doing. But I do guarantee it can be up-leveled. And so listen more curiously to those that are alive around you, and you will feel more alive again. So thank you. You have made me feel more alive, and this whole situation in my stomach is lighting up tonight uh, for your, your presence and love in my life. So thank you. Oh, my God. 